Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, and a happy Monday to you unless you are a family member of the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff. In which case, uh, I hope you enjoyed your time here. Most of you, I would assume, are heading elsewhere maybe greener pastures. I mean, this can't all be a negative. Sometimes you lose a job that you're not unhappy losing a job at. You know what I mean? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons deciding at midnight, by the way, to, I mean, like 12 o'clock on the dot, maybe a second ticked after, and then the press release hit, and head coach Arthur Smith uh, relieved of his duties as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. You did not come here to listen to me talk sports, but I promise you, this does kind of sort of go somewhere when it comes to the realm of politics. Um, so, uh, yeah, another another season comes to an end for us Atlanta Falcon fans, and it's kind of mercifully, honestly, three straight seven and ten seasons. Uh, this one, I, to me, of the three, it's the worst because the roster was so much better and the results were the exact same. Frustratingly so, as a matter of fact. Uh, I lost a job. In fact, my last radio job, I lost... Uh, was one of those, again, mercy-killing sort of things, like, please take me out of my misery. Uh, literally argued not one bit, didn't make a, a peep. I was like, yeah, all right, here, let me get my things and just get out of here. So I awakened not only to the news that the Atlanta Falcons, in fact, I was still up when the Atlanta Falcons made their But um, I also saw when I woke this morning headlines from folks on social media. I have a lot of radio and broadcast friends in touch with on social media. The headline from the Daily Mail, man, the way they put it, those Brits. U.S. largest radio and podcast company, Odyssey, files for bankruptcy with $2 billion in debts just six months after paying executives $3.2 million in bonuses. And their CEO, David Field, was the thumbnail image, Odyssey's CEO, David Field, the thumbnail image that the Daily Mail decided to use. What a shame. Incidentally, I had lunch late last week. It was uh, Thursday that I met with uh, America One Radio uh, President Jeremy Brasile discussing future plans for the show for America One Radio. If you don't listen to this show on America One Radio, that's cool. And you listen via podcast, that's great. You can hear the show first weekdays, 5 to 6 p.m. on America One Radio. And if that's how you do listen to the show... Maybe you listen to it in the morning because we do replay it, I believe, at 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah, 8 a.m. Uh, or on the weekends. Maybe you hear it on the weekends. It airs first, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. So I had lunch with Jeremy on Thursday. He showed me some listenership data. And this very show is oftentimes the most listened to hour on America One Radio. I'm so excited about that. Thank you so much, y'all. That's awesome. You guys, you give me goosebumps. Uh, and I need them today because it's cold. I've got my uh, Braves hoodie on. I put on the Braves attire. As soon as the Falcons were done, I'm like, when do pitchers and catchers report? Anyway, uh, goosebumps. Now, there are occasions where the predecessor on America One Radio, Randy Rhodes, may have more listeners than I do. My listenership fluctuates. And y'all, ugh. Uh, here's where I wag the finger a little bit. There are days where I just, either it's a, it's a best of or a full interview with someone that you just like, oh, I don't need to listen to this. And, and maybe you'll die. And I, okay, I get that. 
So the listenership fluctuates to sometimes just below what Randy Rhodes' daily audience numbers are to sometimes wildly greater. So anyway, I thank you for that. I I, I hope that we can continue to grow this little community. By the way, follow the show on your socials, please, at Ron Show ATL on Facebook, on Twitter X, Instagram. Stay in touch with us. That's one way you can kind of interact with me. You can also call the show 404-919-2725, ron at ronshowatl.com if you'd like to email me that way. Anyway, I, I just want to thank you so much. You guys have, in what, 15 months, taken a show from who is this guy to, wow, who's that guy? Uh, when the uh, American One Radio folks look at their streaming data. So appreciative of that. I would like to think anyway that it's a testament to the fact that this is not just an Atlanta political show. It's not a metro Atlanta political show. It's not just a Georgia political show. There are outlets for all of that. I mean, not really. Um, In some respects, I guess. Uh, It's not just a domestic politics show or a global political show. It's a show that I purposely try to bounce around to all of those to somewhat be all-encompassing. It's also, over time, gotten to be easier to reach out to folks to have on the show. And again, that's a testament to the audience and the fact that the audience continues to grow and that when I introduce myself, oh, yeah, America One Radio. Oh, yeah, you're the guy that dot, dot, dot. Oh, Melita Easters. Yeah, yeah, she spoke. That's the, the, the guests that we've had on and continue to have on and the fact that I can interact with uh, Georgia legislators. Over the phone, text message, DMs, they knew who I am, I knew who... This is all just a testament to the growth of this little community, uh, the America One Radio listening experience, uh, as well as those of you who listen via podcast. All right, so I've gone six minutes into this first segment, just kind of feeling um, super appreciative of the streaming numbers, uh, also that Arthur Smith is no longer the Atlanta Falcons head coach, uh, and the growth of the Ron Show audience, and I can't thank you enough for that. Speaking of legislators, they get back to work today. There'll be headlines that come out of that over the next few days and weeks, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to having some of our, uh, hopefully, uh, regulars from the state legislature, from the House and the uh, state Senate on to give us updates if and when needed. Uh, the first headline that I see worth touching on today here, let's go to NBC News. The former president's attorneys in Georgia asked the judge to dismiss charges against them in the Fulton County election interference case. Mm-hmm. Trump attorneys are claiming presidential immunity, mm-hmm. due process, and double jeopardy protections. That's right. Double jeopardy protections. Trump apparently hires the worst attorneys ever. I say that because I'm going to read to you a tweet from Georgia State University Professor Anthony Michael Christ. He is a regular on MSNBC, CNN. I think I've seen him on there a time or two as well. Um, I'd love to hang out with him, honestly. I've, I've, I've tried many times to get him on the show, but because he is a Georgia State University law professor and he's on cable news, he ain't checking for the Ron show. That's why we got to keep growing this audience, y'all. Anyway, let me read to you uh, his uh, immediate reaction here. Trump moves to dismiss Fulton County case because he claims trying him for election crimes in Georgia after the 2020 election violates double jeopardy. He was already impeached and tried in the Senate for inciting an insurrection. 
This is so meritless, it borders on comical, Christ writes. Let's turn to the Constitution, where he gives a snippet of the Constitution that reads, Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. Christ continues, first, impeachment is a political question. What constitutes an impeachable offense is essentially a political matter. So, too, is the judgment. And the Constitution's text reinforces the idea that a conviction is not a criminal conviction. So, too, it follow an acquittal. Even if you accept the idea that an acquittal is different and an impeachment should be treated functionally like a criminal case, Georgia and the federal government are separate sovereigns. There's really nothing here. He continues, now that's all as a constitutional matter. As a statutory matter, Trump was never indicted in a federal court for election meddling in Georgia. Back to NBC News. With us now, NBC News correspondent Blaine Alexander in Atlanta and MSNBC legal analyst Lisa Rubin. So, Blaine, what's the former president arguing in these new motions? Well, Jose, a couple of things stand out to me about this. One, that this is certainly, in the entire time that we've been covering this case, this is the most extensive filing that we've seen from Trump's defense team here in Georgia, and certainly the most vigorous defense. And so they're really breaking it down, uh, citing three reasons why these charges should be dismissed here in Fulton County. Uh, let's start with presidential immunity. That's kind of the overarching claim, basically saying that all of his alleged actions uh, fall uh, under uh, the scope of his actions as president of the United States, and therefore he shouldn't be charged for it. Okay, let me put a pause on that, because this is where I, I come to my reasonable Republican friends and say, do you really want that as a precedent? Knowing that there may come a time when a president who is not a current or former Republican president is going to be guilty of doing something that you deem to be, and may likely well be, an egregious and illegal act. Do you really want to set that precedent. And honestly, all along, this was the inherent danger in allowing someone with questionable backgrounds and issues with legality, even before being president of the United States, fair housing violations, fraud charges, uh, sexual misconduct. This, that's the inherent danger of letting someone with some criminalish traits into the Oval Office in the first place. It sullies the office. And it also seems to give him, in his feckless little mind anyway, carte blanche to do whatever he wants without repercussions. Because obviously it's not bad enough that for the first 70 plus years of his life, he lived without many repercussions coming back to bite him in the ass. I mean, it made him just a wonderful, congenial, huggable, lovable, squeezable human being, right? Saying that he was deprived of due process and basically that he never even got a heads up that what he was allegedly doing would have been considered illegal. His attorneys basically say that none of the alleged actions have ever been charged criminally before. And so there was no reason to expect that he would think that the actions were illegal. Ah, yes. the Nobody's ever tried to overturn a presidential election result before. So since there's no precedent, I didn't know I could be in trouble for it. Oh. <laughs> wow. Mob boss-like stuff there, baby. 
Now, remember, we are in election year, so I pivot to this article. Uh, Tamar Hollerman, uh, Bill Rankin, David Wickert at the AJC reporting that judges on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia will hear arguments on Tuesday about whether Trump is immune from prosecution for any acts he undertook while commander-in-chief. The question strikes at the heart of Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith's blockbuster case against the Republican presidential frontrunner, whom a federal grand jury charged in August for illegally engaging in three conspiracies to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. But it could also have major implications in Fulton, where many of the events in District Attorney Fonnie Willis' election interference case also unfolded while Trump was still in office. The article continues, The federal case could affect Willis' case in two major ways. First, an expected appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court could significantly delay the start date for Smith's March 4th trial in Washington, which in turn could push back the timeline for trials in Fulton, New York, and Florida, where Trump has been indicted. Trump's attorneys know what their client wants. He wants this drawn out as long as possible because poll after poll after poll shows that GOP voters, a third of them, don't believe he should even be the nominee if he is found guilty even if he is the party's nominee. So at the very least, he doesn't want anything going to trial within the primary calendar, and at the very most, he wouldn't want any convictions landing until he is reelected so that he can then pardon himself. But we all knew that. Back after this, The Ron Show, the sometimes most listened to show on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for... What they call in football circles Black Monday. It's the uh, first Monday after the end of the NFL regular season. If you didn't find out late last night when you were staying up, uh, you found out this morning that the Atlanta Falcons are looking for a new head football coach. Uh, Arthur Blank and uh, President Rich McKay of the Atlanta Falcons and their general manager, Terry Fontenot, are uh, heading the search. I I, I can do this for them. uh, Listen, if Arthur Blank would like to hire me to run the football program, uh, I I am happy to. I I love Atlanta United. I love the soccer, but he he needs somebody for that. I I can handle the Falcons. I've been a Falcons fan since I can remember, like age five, seventy nine, seventy eight, somewhere in that area when I started watching football as a kid. And I I know what they need to do. They need to go and ask for permission to interview uh, the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Todd Munkin, who used to be the offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia when they won two national championships. That's right, that Todd Munkin. And then they need to go and trade for the former Georgia quarterback who didn't really play all that much for Georgia, honestly, before he transferred to Ohio State. Do what you can to go get Justin Fields from Chicago. And I was on the fence about him before, but I, I think the, the the swiftest way to make the Falcons competitive playoff-worthy, potentially even more than that, is to go get a play caller like Todd Munkin, pair him with a Justin Fields who has Lamar Jackson-like qualities. That's the quarterback in Baltimore now. Who, who, by the way, number one seed in their conference and heavy Super Bowl favorites now. Yeah, that's there you go. Arthur Blank, if you're listening, if you're one of the hundreds, I'm looking at this data, that listens uh, every day uh, for long spells of time. I mean, I'm offering this to you free uh, of charge uh, as a Falcons fan, but I would love to come <laughs> if uh, if somebody needs to be the vice president of uh, football operations under Rich McKay. That's fine. Or if he's going to step down, I'll take the presidency. Whatever. You did not come here to listen to me talk football, however. Uh, I want to 
make one last little fine point. I was watching the Georgia gang yesterday uh, locally on uh, WAGA television, Fox 5 here in Atlanta. Uh, Lori Geary, the moderator, and uh, one of the panelists uh, who I disagree with agreeably quite often is uh, Martha Zoller. She uh, hosts a talk show, uh, radio talk show in the Gainesville, Georgia area, and is a frequent pundit on the Georgia gang. I need to get her on sometime. I, th- we, I think we could do a segment and, again, disagree agreeably. So they, they did a segment that uh, spoke to Judge Steve Jones, rubber stamping the Matt redraws, uh, the Obama-appointed federal Judge Steve Jones, uh, rubber stamping the three redistricted maps at the State House, State Senate, and congressional levels. Martha Zoller made this point that I kind of thought was, I don't know, interesting for someone conservative to make. And I know we get involved in personalities because we like these people and we know these people, but the thing we always have to keep at the forefront is that this is not an individual person's seat, whether it's a legislator or uh, whether it's under the gold dome or it's a congressional seat. They belong to the people and they don't belong to whoever holds the seat at that particular time. And we forget that and that's hard because we like these folks and we know these folks. But if you keep that as your perspective, it's a lot easier to deal with. A good reminder. Now, do I find fault with what she's saying? No, not at all. I do have a problem with her coupling that with the statement she made uh, on the heels of uh, what Kathy Woolard said uh, minutes earlier in this conversation, which pivoted to state house members having to run against each other and meaning some of them wouldn't be back. And that that was that was what she was responding to. Well, we you know we we may like these people, but this this is these are the the people's districts. Kathy Woolard said, I don't like the maps. I, I don't like the way we do redistricting. I think that, you know, we're not adequately representing the population in the state of Georgia, but that's been going on for a long time. Um, maybe we'll hash that out, out in the courts. But really, what's most important is to let elected election officials have the time to, to run a good election. Well, I think Judge Jones did a beautiful job of weighing the constitutional side, which acknowledges that redistricting is a political process. That is a pundits, a, a partisan pundits way of saying it's a partisan process. The reason conservatives in conservative-controlled states like gerrymandering and the Electoral College is because they don't believe that the offices belong to the people. They do believe that ownership is a political process and not in any way a process of democracy. I've given you these numbers before, but if you haven't heard that day or segment or whatever, here's what I'm talking about. If you look at gubernatorial and presidential election results dating back to 2014 in the state of Georgia, 2022 back to 2014, the GOP's percentage of votes cast are as follows, 53, 2022, to 49, to 50, to 50, to 52 back in 2014. That's right. The top two outcomes for them were in 2014, 52%, 2022, 53%. If we use 53%, and that is the the peak as a threshold, then why does the GOP have 59% of the Georgia Senate, 56.7% of the Georgia House, and 64.3% of the state's congressional representation? No, I mean, there's no way to draw lines that's going to bear out that the GOP will only have 53% of those two chambers and congressional representation. It's just impossible to do that. And there's nothing on the books that says that that's how you have to draw it out anyway. But it's never close. And that is no accident. 
so I appreciate what Martha Zoller said, but I don't believe Martha Zoller believes what Martha Zoller said. And I know for a fact the state GOP doesn't. And I knew in my heart and in my mind that the Republican Party on the whole does not believe that these offices belong to the people. If she did, if state Republicans did, and Republicans in Washington did, they would agree that a bill needs to be drafted in Congress, passed by the House and the Senate, and signed into law by an eager President Joe Biden, eliminating gerrymandering at the local and state level. Do you hear them advocating for that? Listen. Yeah, me neither. Okay, when we come back, we've got some Marjorie Taylor Greene book signing drama. It does not involve a box of crayons. <laughs> and did you watch Meet the Press yesterday? Elise Stefanik? Uh, she's interesting. So we've got all that and more when the Ron Show returns. On the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. Over the weekend, Marjorie Taylor Greene looking to play the victim card. They, they don't like the victim card when anybody else plays it, but when they play it, it is a Trump card. Yes, a, a Trump card uh, from WESH Television in Florida. Semi Resort has canceled an event set to feature Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. Now, the reason they thought the event was in celebration of the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. West News' Megan Mulatto spoke to the chairman of the Republican Party of Osceola County, who says it was all a misunderstanding. Uh-huh. A book signing event featuring Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has been moved to the VFW in St. Cloud. The event, being hosted by the Republican Party of Osceola County, was supposed to be held at the Westgate Resort in Kissimmee. But the chairman of the party, Mark Cross, says the resort canceled after being made to believe the event was in celebration of the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. It just happens to be on January 6th. You know, <laughs> that's just a coincidence. Cross says a text from a third party vendor was misinterpreted. He says the theme is honoring Republican women. We were just trying to honor some local Republican women. We thought that would be good with Congressman MTG. And uh, we planned a nice little, you know, program. Did he just say Congressman MTG and celebrating women? Mm. Roll on. It's still going to go on just as planned. And, you know, if you read the book, you'll find out there'll probably be a Q&A. There might be a question on January 6th. But- Oh, there'll be a cue. Oh, sorry. That that won't be the sole theme. In an initial statement sent to NBC News, Westgate Resorts said Westgate was not made aware of the purpose of this event when we were approached to host a book signing. This event has been canceled and is no longer taking place at our resort. Cross says he's spoken to Westgate since that statement was released. I talked to the general manager uh, today and, you know, there's no hard feelings or anything like that. They're a good corporate partner and we'll be doing other events out there. In Osceola County, Megan Mulatto, WESH 2 News. I'm sure Mr. Cross is a nice guy. However, I can't help but notice when I go to the Osceola County GOP's Facebook page, they have a litany of past events that you can easily see on their Facebook page. All ki- the, the Christmas party is the last event 
on the Osceola, Florida County GOP's Facebook page. And I'm curious why the January 6th... You can look at past events. I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at past events. The Osceola County GOP's past events are there for all to see. And the last one listed is their Christmas party. Not the January 6th event featuring Marjorie Taylor Greene doing a book sign. You would think that that would have been something they would want to publicize on their social media to get the word out, to get more people. It couldn't be that they hastily removed the event because it spoke of commemorating the third anniversary of January 6th, which is why the resort said, "Uh, no, wait a minute, we don't want that kind of event on our grounds. You don't think that's it. They talk about this miscommunication, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, blames Democrats. She literally took to Twitter X... Close-ups for her are not a good thing, but she did a close-up video. You don't have to see it, but you can hear it. Hi, guys. I just wanted to come on and give you all a quick message. You may have seen in the news today because the Democrats are loving it and the left-leaning media are all about it, twisting and lying about the story. But I am so excited to announce that they couldn't cancel my book signing tomorrow on January 6th. And this has been absolutely outrageous. You know, the Democrats want to do anything to cancel everything I say, cancel the words you speak because they hate free speech. And let's be really honest about who the Democrats are. They claim they're defending democracy, but you and I both know they aren't defending democracy. They're destroying democracy. And they're destroying democracy by attacking our First Amendment, canceling our words, canceling your social media accounts, canceling everything you think and feel. And this all started back with Hillary Clinton when she declared all of us deplorables. Well, well, ever since then, the left has been doing everything they can to attack Republicans, attack conservatives, attack America First Patriots, anybody that supports President Trump. And of course, the defenders of democracy are actually destroying democracy by trying to take President Trump off the ballot. We aren't going to allow it. We're going to stand up to the left. And I am doing that tomorrow by hosting my book signing tomorrow down here in Orlando. And I'm so excited to continue to do that because we will never allow them to win. And so I just wanted to come by and let you guys know. And listen, if you want to stand up against them, here's a good way you can really make them angry. Mm -hmm. Order my book and you can get a copy at mtgbook.com. So order my book and read the very book that the Democrats and the, the leftists in the media don't want you to read. Read the book, MTG, and remember, you can get a copy at mtgbook.com. So just wanted to come on and declare victory over the cancel culture communists mm. because I oh, am yes. sick and tired of them, and I know you are too. Okay, you guys, I want you to enjoy your weekend, and I'll be having a great time at my book signing that the left couldn't cancel tomorrow. Yeah, it wasn't the left. It was a resort that... Mark Cross with the Osceola GOP says that they've worked with before and will again. But uh, again, why miss an opportunity to demonize your political opponents who had nothing to do with your event getting canceled? And by the way, move to a VFW post. There's a picture of her on her social media in a small room with a dollhouse behind her. (laughs) We couldn't get a backdrop up. Where's the MTG 
book step and repeat that you could put behind you so that you didn't look like you were hastily thrown into a VFW club with a dollhouse behind you. <laughs> the left. We hate democracy so much. We wanted every vote counted in Florida in 2000. Yeah, we put us. Wait, we didn't do that. We did, we're not the ones that put a stop to that. Did we? No, we wanted every vote to get, but we're the ones against democracy. Her free speech is stifled so much that she was able to get a book out. By contrast, and I and I here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to compare uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's book sales with another conservative female's book sales coming out almost simultaneously. Sales of Liz Cheney's book, number one on Amazon charts in December, number two in all books. Number one in memoirs, number one in political leader biographies, number one in women in history. Marjorie Taylor Greene's book, MTG, opened its chart placement at 65th in women's biographies when it was released. Uh, Since dropping to 95 in that category, the number 12,737th ranked book in sales as of last month. Bless it. All right, I want to pivot because I see something unfolding that I'm not sure many others maybe do. I see a three, at least three-woman race for the vice presidency because it's it's a fait accompli, right? Donald Trump is likely the nominee for the Republican presidential nomination at the convention coming up uh, later this summer. So the the three women that I see all vying for the coveted vice presidency, although having seen what could have happened to Mike Pence, do you really want that job? Nonetheless, I see three women vying for this role. Marjorie Taylor Greene, obviously, who we just spoke of, who, by the way, hates, hates, and has been really railing on a lot on social media, hates Nikki Haley who I think is trying to butter both sides of her bread, trying to run against Trump, but Trump doesn't show up in the debate, so she can't really debate him. And also isn't speaking ill of Donald Trump. You haven't heard a whole lot lately about new voice, someone younger. That's all sort of gotten quiet in the last couple of months as she's seen herself somewhat ascend to be the bridesmaid in the... GOP uh, primary season. So you got Marjorie Taylor Greene attacking Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is trying, I think, to leave herself in a friendly position to be the vice president. And then you have Representative Elise Stefanik from New York. Two New Yorkers on the ticket. Interesting. I know Trump's a Floridian now. Okay. Um, Anyway, Stefanik was on Meet the Press yesterday. And her segment on Meet the Press... I'm not going to lie to you. Kristen Welker, I thought playing Elise Stefanik speaking after January 6, 2021 was chef's kiss. Listen to this. This has been a truly tragic day for America. Americans will always have the freedom of speech and the constitutional right to protest, but violence in any form is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. It is anti-American right. and must be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Fullest. In terms of what we're hearing today, former President Trump has referred to January 6th as a, quote, beautiful day. Just this weekend, he referred to some of those who are serving time for having stormed the Capitol as, quote, hostages. Do you still feel as though that day was tragic and that those who were responsible should be held responsible to the fullest extent of the law? 
The response you're about to hear is, to me, what encapsulates why strike while the iron's hot should have been the mantra for Democrats and Republicans who at that time were ready to wash their hands of Donald Trump and forever put him away out of harm's way politically. Here's Stefanik. You heard her talking early January 2021. Here's Stefanik early January 2024. Well, first of all, Kristen, as typical for NBC and the biased media, you played (laughs) one excerpt of my speech. I stand by my comments that I made on the House floor. I stood up for election integrity and I challenged and objected to the certification of the state of Pennsylvania because of the unconstitutional overreach. So I absolutely stand by my floor speech. I am proud to support President Trump. And I want to correct another statement you made that there is no coordination with Joe Biden and the Department of Justice in prosecutions against President Trump. We just saw Hunter Biden defy a congressional subpoena and the White House admitting it was in coordination with Joe Biden the morning of. That is coordination. And I believe that Joe Biden will be found to be the most corrupt president in our nation's history. And that's why all of the investigative work that we're doing is so, so important because the American people, they deserve transparency and accountability. Hold up. First of all, what about the what about? Kristen Welker didn't ask Elise Stefanik jack shit about Hunter Biden. <laughs> uh, also, if we're go- uh, so, since you want to do the what about thing, you want to pivot to something else. Uh, Jim Jordan didn't show up before Congress when subpoenaed as well. And what does your party have to say about that? Kristen Welker tried to fact check her a little bit, but she's so kind about it. To unpack there, of course, the White House has said that Hunter Biden is acting unilaterally on the issue of election integrity, though. As you know, Trump took his case to court more than 60 times that there was fraud. He didn't win. But I want to get back to this key question. Do you still think it was a tragic day? Do you think Mm -hmm. that the people who stormed the Capitol should be held responsible Mm -hmm. to the full extent of the law? I have concerns about the treatment of January 6th hostages. Hostages. Uh, I have concerns. We have a role in Congress of oversight over our treatments of prisoners. uh, And I believe that we're seeing the weaponization of the federal government against not just President Trump, but we're seeing it against conservatives. We're seeing it against Catholics. uh, And that's one of the reasons why I'm so proud to serve on the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Government, because the American people want answers, they want transparency, and they understand that as you look across this country, there seems to be two sets of rules. If your last name is Clinton or it's Biden, you get to live by a different set of rules than if you're an everyday patriotic American. I've been clear, Kristen, if you go back and play the full speech I gave on the House floor, I condemn the violence just like I condemn the violence of the BLM riots, but I also importantly stood for election integrity and security of our elections, which if we don't have have that, we do not have a democracy. So the real threat to our democracy is these baseless witch hunt investigations and lawsuits against President Trump, whether it's Tish James or whether we see in the D.C. Circuit Court. And that is undemocratic and it's shredding our Constitution. And you know who agrees with me, Kristen? The American people. That's why President Trump is winning in poll after poll. Oh, they hate baseless witch hunts, but they're opening an impeachment inquiry with no evidence whatsoever into Joe Biden because... Well, Democrats impeached their guy twice, and so uh, he's due at least one, but we'll we'll have to open the inquiry to get the evidence because we don't have the evidence now. Also, this scalded dog whining about the weaponization argument. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I just laugh at this when I get this from a white heterosexual conservative complaining about the weaponization of government towards J6ers. Um... These are, the, these are the same conservatives who either champion or turn a blind eye to decades 
of weaponization. You know, if they if they took some critical race theory, they'd know this. They turn a blind eye or promote decades in the continuation of the weaponization of law enforcement, the judiciary, and conservative lawmaking towards civil rights inequality. But please, cry me some crocodile conservative tears, Elise. This might be the most defined I've ever heard Kristen Welker when she rebuffs the whole Clinton-Biden argument. Poll after poll against Joe Biden. The Justice Department has indicted a, a number of top-named Democrats right. as well, including the president's son, twice. So, I mean, a lot of critics would argue that undercuts your argument. There are two systems of justice. If you want to try to, can if I, you, I want to answer you? that. If you want to, if you want to make that case, the American people are very smart. They know that they tried to give Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal. We've heard from multiple IRS. He was indicted twice, Congresswoman. But it was, because a of a, it was because of a judge that threw out a sweetheart deal that was mm. negotiated on Joe Biden's behalf. Joe Biden and the Department of Justice have, yeah. have been withheld from going after the Biden crime family, which Joe Joe Biden sits atop of. <laughs> but how many times did the DOJ investigate the Trump crime family when Trump was president? Exactly. More on show after this on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Final segment of the Ron Show for Monday, January 8th. Uh, and we're all kind of hastily getting things done. I've got a softball board meeting at 6.30 because the football game's at 7.30. The natty that doesn't include the University of Georgia. This one time, or the SEC at all, this one time, that's fine. It's a football game. It's an important football game, and I'm still going to watch it. You know what else I'm watching that I don't see a whole lot of buzz about uh, in mainstream media? Uh, Mediaite, by the way, is publishing this. They have, and why I don't have audio of this yet, what, they're, they're not releasing it. They have audio of a conversation between Trump ally Roger Stone, yeah, that guy, the comic book villain character guy, uh, with... Uh, a friend, I guess a, a police pal or whatever, talking about vendettas and potentially assassinating Congress people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out on Friday afternoon. Uh, infamous political operative Roger Stone, according to Media, it was recorded on tape telling an associate to quote abduct and punish. Air quotes there. A prosecutor who led the case against him as part of the Mueller probe. In December 2020, that was a month after the 2020 elections, after Donald Trump's defeat to Joe Biden, Stone was working on the effort to overturn the election. In audio from that time, reviewed exclusively by Mediaite, Stone can be heard at his Florida condo speaking with Sal Greco. Hey, Sal, get over here. Sal Greco, an NYPD officer, served as security for Stone. Greco would, months later, according to Mediaite, be fired by the NYPD over his ties to Roger Stone, who he was with, the, with during the January 6th riot. In the audio, the two of them discuss Aaron Zelensky, a prosecutor who served as a deputy to former special counsel Robert Mueller and who led the case against Stone. <clears throat> Here's a quote. He needs to be punished. Stone telling Greco, you have to abduct him and punish him. That has to be done. It will be easy to abduct him because he is a weakling. Um, here's another little audio nugget. Well, not the audio itself, but news of audio between these two, where apparently two congressmen are talked about getting rubbed out. Weeks before the 2020 presidential election, infamous political operative Roger Stone, Mediaite, writes, sat across from his associate Sal Greco at a restaurant in Florida. Who's recording this? Is it Sal? At the time, Greco, an NYPD cop working security for Stone on the side, 
their conversations at Cafe Europa in Fort Lauderdale focused on two House Democrats for whom Stone harbors particular animosity, Jerry Nadler, Eric Swalwell. Mediate writes in audio of the conversation obtained exclusively by Mediate, Stone made threatening comments about the two uh, lawmakers. It's time to do it, Roger telling Sal. Let's go find Swalwell. It's time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. It's time to do it. It's either Nadler or Swalwell has to die before the election. They need to get the message. Let's go find Swalwell and get this over with. I'm just not putting up with this sh** anymore. Let that wash over you. That is Trump associate Roger Stone telling a then-current NYPD cop who was working security for Roger Stone on the side that two congressmen, or at least one of the two, had to die, quote, before the election. Mediaite writes, both Nadler and Swalwell serve on the House Judiciary Committee. At the time of the Cafe Europa conversation, Nadler had announced the committee would be investigating then-President Donald Trump's decision to commute Roger Stone's sentence after he was convicted of federal crimes in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia probe. The source telling Mediaite of Stone, Stone had been at war with Nadler and Swalwell for years. He just hates them. He just wants to get Trump back into office so these things would stop, according to the source. So the first conversation I mentioned happened, or the the audio came out Friday afternoon. Did you hear about this at all over the weekend? I didn't. This new audio that just dropped, uh, I think a little bit before 4 p.m. Monday, will it be a lead story on, say, NBC Nightly News tonight? I mean, I would hope so. My God, we're talking about two congressmen, at least one of the two, needing to, quote, die before the election, according to Donald Trump's close associate, one of his closest associates, one that he pardoned, by the way, Roger Stone. Let's just put a pin in that. We'll come back and tomorrow discuss just how much media scrutiny and attention this story got. I mean, we're literally talking about a plot to assassinate Congress people. And I'm looking right now on Google. I just typed the word Roger Stone and clicked the news tab. First thing that comes up uh, is an Elise Stefanik, <laughs> uh, like from, from her website. In case you missed it, Stefanik joins Roger Stone show to discuss the long overdue resignation of former Harvard president. That's the first thing that comes up on Google. Under the news tab with Roger Stone as the head. Then the Mediaite story. Rolling Stone, four days ago. MSNBC, three days ago. And that's it. That's it. That's it. Like, it, I'm, I'm sitting here looking for uh, other mainstream news sources, and that's it. That's all I see about a conversation between a close Trump ally and an off-duty but still employed NYPD cop working security for Roger Stone in the fall and winter of 2020. 
And I'm sorry, media friends, but I'm I'm a little perplexed because normally you guys eat up crazy Trump bullshit and his crazy comic book villain cast of characters antics up. Y'all sop it up like it's feeding time at the hog trough. This, however, I'm only seeing Mediate, Rolling Stone, and MSNBC on this. Congress people being discussed about being assassinated by a close presidential ally. Do your damn job. I better see this on the news. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the American One Radio app. AmericanRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Show notes, ronshowatl.com. See you tomorrow.